Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Saoirse Long. FM 104. It's Room 104. It's Cormac and Saoirse here. I hope your evening is going well. Um, your memories apparently will peak. This is your memories about yourself and your own life experiences. And it turns out that our memories inform part of who we feel that we are. But did you know what age your memories seem to peak at? Or between what age, I should say? Uh, there's a certain age range that before them, you don't really care too much about your memories. And after them, well then... Uh, they're not too important either. It's called the reminiscent bump. When you're drawing back on positive memories, especially about yourself and different things that inform who you are as a person, uh, you only lean on memories between a certain age range. To tell us a little bit more about what is this thing called the reminiscent bump? What exactly are those years when you look at the, the studies that show us? Joining us now on the line, he's a professor of psychology, he's a professor of education and social policy over in the Northwestern University. He's authored a great number of books about uh, some fascinating individuals and people who we might ask him one or two questions about that before we wrap up. Uh, Professor Dan P. McAdams, sir, how are you? I'm fine. It's nice to be here. Thank you. What exactly is reminiscent bump? It, it's all about memory. You know, when we look to the past, what do we remember? And we, we tend to remember things from recent. And then as you go back in time, you remember less and less, except there's this bump. There's this increase in your memory. And it's things that happen to you, I don't know, maybe between the ages 15 and 25, you know, so in your late teenage years, early 20s mid-20s, that period of time seems to be really rich with lots of memories, positive and negative, but important memories that people seem to latch onto and they and those memories stay with them pretty much for the rest of their lives. Does that kind of shape somebody then to what they kind of will be like in the future? If they had a really bad time of their teenage years, would that negatively affect them later on? Well, it could. I mean, uh, it's more a matter of how we kind of put together these ideas into a story for our lives. And... Uh, one of the reasons people think that there are these, uh, that there is this reminiscence bump is that that's around the time in a person's life, in their late teens and early 20s, when you're starting to ask these questions like, who am I and how do I fit into the world? And so you're really tuned in at that time in your life to these events. And so, yeah, I mean, if you have a lot of negative events during that particular time in your life, it can sort of color the story that you create, but also the, where you are at the time of your memory, age 40. 50, 60, what's going on in your life at that time, that also colors how you remember those events from that reminiscence bump period. Is part of the reason why 15 to 25, is that because of, would it be puberty as well? Is that your brain is literally on fire and forming itself 
during those years as well. Yeah, I think there's about there's a couple different things going on. One is that a lot of stuff happens. Important yeah. stuff happens between 15 and 25. I mean, Just you know, you know a lot of people... <laughs> yeah, right. You often leave home during that time. People go off to college or they go off to work or, you know, there's big transitions occurring. People often meet important individuals. Maybe you get married. Maybe you partner up during that time. Your first date, your driver's license. All these things occur, a lot of firsts uh, that sort of mark the transition from the teenage years to the adult years. So that's one of the reasons. I mean, it's just a period in most people's lives that is rich with significant events, more so than maybe other decades during one's life. So that's one reason. The other reason, though, I think, is that this is the time in your life, and this has to do with brain development, but also with what society expects. This is the time in your life when you are sort of coming to terms with who you are going to be going forward. You're developing an identity. And one of the things I study in my research is how people begin to create a story for their lives at that time, in their late teens and early 20s, what we call a narrative identity. And it is for that reason, too, that you know suddenly you're becoming like an author and you're putting together this great story about your life. And here's all this material that's occurring at that time. So that's a reason, too. That's uh, it's really interesting the way, I, you know, reading some of the stuff and about these memories and how important they are, not realizing how much your memories, like you say, this narrative storytelling or this narrative identity, that they're the things you lean on to inform you of who you are as a person, which is starting to get a bit, you know, a bit deep. But it's interesting how memories impact who you are now or what you even choose to remember to say, I'm not that type of person or I am that type of person. Yeah, well, they go both ways. So your memories do, to a certain extent, determine who you are now. But at the same time, who you are now, to a certain extent, determines your memory. I mean, memories aren't fixed in time. It's not like playing back a video recording. They change. Your memories of age 15, 16, 17, they change as you grow up and get older and so forth. And that current moment, you know, what's going on in your life right now, later in life, that shapes how you how you remember the past, too. So it's back and forth. You have the past changing as well, and that has an effect on you. But at the same time, you looking back, you're transforming the past to a certain extent over time. Now, it's not like, you know, everything's up for grabs. There are certain facts about your life that you know, yeah. and those don't change. But the way you interpret them, the coloring of them, uh, what we call autobiographical reasoning, how do you make sense of those memories from the past, that changes a lot over time. Because I would have said personally now, I would have blocked out that time period in my life because it wasn't <laughs> the greatest experience. But you know what's weird? Like, I wouldn't have very strong memories of my early 20s, but I would remember songs that were out during that time and where I might have been during those types of songs. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean I, I, they've actually done research on that. And people sort of imprint on that period. So songs, fashion, and so forth. It's like, yeah, that was my time. And those songs stay with you. And unfortunately, sometimes those fashion choices stay with you, too, as it turns <laughs> out, as people... <laughs> I had a graduate student once who said, you can always tell how old somebody is, you know, because like for men, at least back when men wore ties, and that is people, the men tend to wear ties for the rest of their lives, ties that were in fashion when they were 20 years yeah. of age. And so I, yeah. I don't know too much about tie fashion, but I mean, he was convinced that that was a universal truth. How impactful then, when you talk about this kind of narrative and this, you know, you're figuring out how 
to interpret your past to kind of maybe come up with a, a new or a changed or an improved version of your, your kind of present self. But how how powerful is it? How how much benefit can somebody get from maybe engaging with techniques and strategies like that? Yeah. So this is something that has really become a big idea in psychology over the last decade or two. And that is that in addition to our personality traits and our goals and values and all these really important parts of ourselves, there's also these stories that we have in our minds about who we are and how we came to be and where our lives are going. And these stories are just as much a part of our personality as are our traits and our you know goals and values and so forth. And we tend to work on these stories. And, and a lot of the change that occurs in terms of personality development, even the kind of change that happens in psychotherapy is mainly about changing your story, working on how you interpret your past and make sense of the future. And there's a lot of good that can come from that. You know, it doesn't solve all your problems, but but a lot of, uh, you know, the misery and, the, and uh, that we experience in life has something to do, at least, with the kind of narrative we create from it. Of course, there are real facts on the ground. There are really true experiences that have an impact. But to a certain extent, how we tweak them, how we interpret them can have an impact on uh, changing our lives and hopefully sometimes for the better. And is there any other stage in our lives that we come across this kind of bump? But then obviously the older you get, you're still changing. Is there another kind of part two of your life that it comes back? There's always part two. There's always a chance for part two. I mean, there are always second chances, third chances up until you know pretty much the end. But there's no other period really that stands out like for most people like that late teen, early 20 period. Of course, every life is different. I mean, and so somebody may go through a really important transformation, say in their early 40s, right? I mean, so something happens. Maybe they meet a new person. Their life changes in a big way. Maybe their parents pass away and that has a very important impact on them. Every life is unique and we all have these special moments that stand out and they can happen pretty much any time in your life. But what is tends to be shared by most individuals nonetheless is this special resonance, this special like feeling we have about our late teens and 20s. And so I don't want to suggest that, you know, that particular period is determinative. I mean, important things can happen at any point, but it is sort of interesting that regardless of how much you change going forward, there's a special spot in your story for those late teen, early 20 years. I think, Saoirse, the secret will be to when you're 70 to just go back to college again and just go out and get hammered every night of the week and then just start, you know, kissing new boys and, and doing things like that and having waking up in a bush again going, I haven't done this since I was 19 years of age. Amazing. Yeah. And, and maybe you'll... Well, it's funny. That, it, it, you know, I'm a college professor, so, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm with these students all the time and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, when you get older, you can go back to college and you're thinking about getting drunk and going in the bushes and so forth. And I'm thinking of that too, but I'm also thinking about those great books I read when I was in college <laughs> that were wasted on me because I didn't really get yeah. it. You know, I mean, like I was a little distracted. And so sometimes, you know, a college education is wasted on the youth. As we get older, some people like to go back and kind of redo that and take those classes and have those experiences. And, you know, it's not the same second time around, of course, but sometimes it can be a little better. There'll be an influx of this now because a lot of people will, you know, will hear your story, maybe read your research and then like spring break over there will be full of 
70 and 80 year olds in a few years time with people trying to recapture and relive their youth it'll just be uh, broken hips everywhere it won't be as uh, as much intense fun and professor uh, before we let you go you've authored a huge amount of books and I just wanted to um, pick your brain very quickly on one you probably know which one I'm going to ask you about because you dedicated a certain amount of time to publishing a book called The Strange Case of Donald J. Trump A Psychological Reckoning and I know we could probably talk about this for hours but in, in summary from looking at the man who's in charge of the free world at the moment what were some of the most interesting or peculiar things you would have found about him and his identity and his personality? I am so happy you asked about that <laughs> but I'll be very <laughs> brief here it's a new book by the way just out by Oxford, with Oxford University Press here's the big idea when it comes to Donald Trump he doesn't have a story in his head he's different from almost everybody else on the planet I would argue in that he never created for himself himself a narrative identity a story in his mind about how he came to be and where his life is going he is instead the episodic man who lives in the current moment and only in the moment there is no past pretty much in his head there is no future pretty much in his head I mean not that he doesn't have memory he has memory but it's not like your memory or my memory Mr. Trump has no reminiscence bump there is no period in his life that he cherishes from the past he is instead like instead like a boxer in the ring and he is fighting every moment to win the moment and the boxer in the ring he can't stop and say let me think about when I was 15 or 18 or 20 yeah. or let me think about the historical sweep it's none of that for Mr. Trump he's right here now in the moment, almost as if he has very little memory and very little forward thinking either. It's a scary proposition and a very strange case, psychologically speaking. Do you know what you're nearly describing? Isn't that like the ideals behind mindfulness, that he is the ultimate practitioner of being in the moment <laughs> and in the now, and he's ruining everything? That's very good. It's an interesting comparison. In some ways, it is like mindfulness being very much in the moment, but but with mindfulness, there's a piece to that, and there's a sense of harmony and focus. In Mr. Trump's case, it's fury and rage in the moment. He is like the boxer fighting to win every moment. He has to win every moment. Uh, he can't tolerate not winning every moment. So in that way, it's not like mindfulness. <laughs> Living in the fight or flight mode. Yeah, yeah. And well, it's always fight and it's always victory one after another. And it changes from one day to the next. So if he can say something on Monday that helps him win on Monday, he'll say that. And then on Tuesday, he can say the opposite because on Tuesday, it's a different day and he's fighting a different fight. And so there are a lot of things about him that are peculiar that you know Americans just can't quite wrap their mind around. Like, how can a guy lie like this day in and day out? Say one thing on Monday, say another thing on Tuesday. States, when the whole world, including his supporters, know he's making it up. The reason? He's the episodic man. He's different on Tuesday. He's fighting a different fight on Tuesday than he was on Monday. And it's as if, it's just as if Monday didn't even exist. So not only is there no reminiscence bump when it comes to Mr. Trump, there just ain't much by way of memory, period. I mean, like, there are very few scenes from his past that he'll go back and tell you about. And people have noted this for 50 years, really. I mean, he's been in the public eye since the 1970s, but no one's ever really kind of put it together psychologically before. Do you think it's done purposely, though? No. I, it is who he is. Mr. Trump does it the same way all the time. He plays the role. It's Donald Trump playing Donald Trump every day, day in and day out. 
So when I think of purpose, I think of some sort of long-term plan, you know. There's no long-term plan. He's right there winning all the time. So, yeah, he's doing it, if you will, on purpose, but there's no long-term strategy. He's not thinking, you know, I'm just going to focus today because I know I can accomplish something today, and then tomorrow I'm going to do something else. He's not thinking about tomorrow. He's not thinking about Thursday or Friday or whatever. He's not thinking about the distant past or the or the, or the the future. He's right there, again, like the boxer in the ring. And it's just, most people don't live life that way, and it's very peculiar, and yet it works for him. It gives him a certain charisma and power in the moment that no other politician can manage. So on the one hand, it's a good thing for him because he probably wouldn't be president if it weren't for this kind of thing. On the other hand, it's the worst possible leadership strategy you can have, especially, say, now during a time of COVID-19, because you need a long-term strategy to beat the virus. And Mr. Trump, he's in it for the short term. He's in it for today. Well, well yeah, it's, it's interesting when you put it together like that. It kind of shines a new light on him. And uh, with a few more months at least, anyway, seeing how he gets on. But uh, listen, Professor Dan P. McAdams, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you here this evening. Again, if you want to delve into a little bit more about the psychological mind frame of uh, people like uh, Mr. Donald J. Trump, the strange case of Donald, a. Donald J. Trump, a psychological reckoning, is available on uh, Kindle and in all good bookshops as well. Uh, listen, Professor, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a million for coming on FM 104, and we will chat to you again soon. Thank you very much. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.